When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When I go to Sacramento, I will pump up Sacramento. Turner Sparks just got married and has moved home to America after 12 years living in China. Sir Michael Ira Kaplan has two kids, a wife, a job, and has spent his entire life in the USA. Neither one can figure their country out. This is Lost in America. Welcome to Lost in America, episode 114. My name's Turner Sparks. I am Kaplan. You can find me at Turner B. Sparks on Twitter. You can find Kaplan at Cap'n America with a K on Twitter. Also, we're on Instagram. Where can you find us? I'm Cap'n America, I think with a K as well, although don't quote me on that. Hopefully, uh, you spelled your name correctly. (laughs) See, yeah, there's a Cap'n America to see. We're going to find him, our lawyers, and we're going to not get rid of him. Yes. But uh, then we're at Lost in America, and you're at Turner Sparks on Instagram. On the podcast. You can find us on Instagram, people. Oh, yeah, we're on Instagram. That's Instagram. We've come, we've joined the 21st century, the millennial. The millennials, the the, the iGen. Are we on Snapchat? No. All right, well, that's next year. I still am figuring out what that is. But on the podcast today, Maybe she can tell us. We have Roseanne Lake. She's a journalist for The Economist magazine. You ever heard of it, Smarty Pants? I've heard of it. Well, I'm talking to the audience. <laughs> I had a subscription to The Economist once upon a time. That's how big a loser I was in college. I have a subscription to I had a to subscription to The Economist. Well, that's that's a little better because you're like trying to save print by doing that. Here's my thing, The Economist. I love it, but you can read about... They come too fast. We're going to bring this up with her. What do you mean they come too fast? This is it a once weekly? Once a week. That's what a magazine is. No, I like the monthly and half of it needs to be pictures. <laughs> in The Economist, it's all words. Well, and you get it like two sto- two articles in and, and then long, the next one comes. They're long stories. And it's about a lot of countries you don't really care about too, right? There's like a Sri Lanka section. Unless and you like listen a- to this podcast because <laughs> we care about every we country. About- well, guess what? The swimsuit issue is coming soon. So you'll get your pictures <laughs> we'll then. We'll ask Roseanne <laughs> about the economist swimsuit issue. Gotta sell b- per- magazines, people. So she writes about Cuba. Uh, she also used to live in China. That's how we know her. She's uh, she's come on before. Returning podcast. But she's yeah. focused on Cuba where she has a bunch of stories, three stories on Cuba that we're going to go after. So it's going to be an all Cuba pod. Yeah, we'll see how long it takes, what minute we get to your, your horse meat story. Because every Cuba Pod, we get to that story. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> so, you have to, to drink at home when we start telling that story. <laughs> figure out a way to shoehorn that in, no pun <laughs> so intended, on the Cuba story. But before all that, I mean, on the, on the horse meat, <laughs> before that, Kaplan, we had our holiday party on Saturday, our Lost in America official holiday party. It was an awesome holiday it, party. <laughs> it was a party of one. I had to go by myself <laughs> to see the I dead feel- milkman. Yeah. Sorry. You, 
dipped out. You bailed on me at the last second. I couldn't even sell your. Can I get to this? I couldn't. Even, I tried to sell your ticket at the door. I'm lost in America. This is a bonus. I'm bonus lost in America. Double LLA episode. No one goes to concerts without tickets anymore. So I think it's so easy to buy on your phone that everyone already has tickets. So yeah. I stood outside for like that's a half what an I, hour. I think I said this before, but my, my whole thing is like when I got scammed once, I think it was a Louis C.K. concert where I bought um, oh, I bought uh, you got counterfeit scammed tickets. more than once. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. But I, I enjoy the face-to-face of buying from a scalper. Sure. Because I'm an old man and I like yeah. it, but I don't, and I feel bad for the scalpers. I think they're running out of, there's no scalpers anymore because yeah, everyone's buying a StubHub, SeatGeek, whatever. I can tell you this. I don't think they're, they're, they're falling upon hard times. Yeah. The scalpers. They're really lost in America. I think Trump needs to do something about it. And I don't know. That Bring those his, jobs back. His new issue. How was the concert? Fantastic. Yeah. One uh, of the best concerts I've ever been d- to in my life. Here's, so when I put on like on Facebook, I would say hours, maybe 12 hours before the show when I found out you couldn't go. I, I put on there, I was like, does anyone want to come to this with me? I will give you a ticket for free. I would say two people out of the 2,000 I'm connected on Facebook knew who the dead milkmen were. Wow. Probably yeah. two. One, one of them was, was my wife. wife. She was, was like, I would have gone. I didn't see her right there because I'm on Facebook during the day. Yeah. I would have got a babysitter for as a... And so in my head, I'm like, uh-oh, this show is going to... I thought it was going to be the dead milkmen, me, and 11 other people. Yeah. And yeah. I got there. It was, I would say, 1,000 people. Slam packed, sold what, out show. What was the age of the crowd? Roughly our age, thirties, uh-huh. forties. Yeah, um, and just it was awesome. They played the bet. The, the good thing about here's the thing: if you want to stick with a band long term, band you like twenty five years ago, and you're like, are they still gonna sound good now? The trick is pick bands that didn't sound good then. Yeah, they sound the same way. Yeah, so they sound exactly the same because it's not like they were good singers in the 80s. Right. So they didn't lose their voice. They've always been terrible singers, and so they're equally <laughs> as terrible now, so it's perfect. That's why I like Oasis. Liam Gallagher was doing so many dr- uh, drinking back then in cigarettes. Yes. So, you know, his voice stays the same. Don't go it's see Guns N' Roses. The guy can't hit any of those high notes, Axl Rose. What? But if you go see Dead Milkman, it's either talking or just off Million dollar singing. question. Did they play the uh, take a... Can we say the word to the say zoo? It, say Take it. a reach out to the zoo. Did they play it? Woke they did up this not. Morning. They did oh, not. PC culture. But PC culture, run amok. <laughs> That's the first song I heard of theirs. I was in your car with your brother in college. Taking reach out And I heard the song and I was like, what is this band? <laughs> driving <laughs> down the road. I got nothing to do. Going to get a little retards and drive them to the zoo. Could they just rewrite it with like, take a little special person? I know. <laughs> I don't even know if you can say special well, What anymore. can you say? What's the word? I'm not. I'm Challenged? Handy capable. I'm not sure. <laughs> autistic? What do you say? Autistic. That would be <laughs> funny. Get autistic kids and drive them to the I zoo. Know. Well, but, autism's uh, big now, so yeah, that would probably work. Yeah. But they didn't play that. Um, <laughs> it is. A good doctor. Everybody's autistic. Didn't you say there was a guy next to you with like a, a MAGA hat? Oh my gosh, funniest <laughs> audience. First of all, this is also how you know, Dead Milkman, I would say they are lost in America because they, they're in their 50s now. I believe they're somewhat out of touch with current culture because they picked their own opening bands. The first band they picked sounded exactly like Crucial Tot. <laughs> Do you remember that? No, actually. Wayne's yeah. Girlfriend's band in oh, Wayne's World. Oh, oh, wow. Ain't got no reason. I like that reaction. band. <laughs> yeah, this is Crucial Tot. They rocked. So I was like, hell yeah, Crucial Tot. And then the second band, it was, this is how you know the uh, Lost America, White Rapper. Oh, yeah. Was it was it, a was white. It, was it the kids rapper? Lart? No. <laughs> oh, uh, no, it wasn't, but I think he had worked with that. MC, MC Lars. Lars. Yeah, yeah. What was this guy's name? Like, Sage Francis was his name. Shout out. Does he, he, but even he, the audience was like, what the F? <laughs> he played was like an old white rapper? He, he played, yeah, he was old. He was like a 50 year old oh white my God, rapper. That's a disaster. And uh, he <laughs> came out. And, for, and he plays just 
He doesn't. He said they didn't pay him enough. He's like, sorry, they didn't pay me enough to bring a DJ. So he just has his like Apple computer, and he has to go over and press play. He's his own DJ. <laughs> yeah. Wait, he has to play the background music himself. Like it's he literally like has a- to go over and press space bar, which plays the next uh, <laughs> song, and then he raps. And then over all of a sudden, it. he gets a phone call, and his phone's connected. to Yeah, the- yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then one of the songs he plays, it's just America, fuck yeah. And he doesn't rap over it. He literally, you know, like from uh, the the South Park movie. Yeah. What do they go? It's like America, fuck. And you think oh, it's gonna like a beat's gonna drop and he's gonna somehow remix it. He doesn't remix it <laughs> and like, he doesn't just, even rap over it. You're just get, well, people go to see famous DJs all the time, and all you're doing is paying to watch somebody play with their computer. It's the so, same yeah, thing. That's what this guy <laughs> did. And then at one point, it's great. The whole audience is looking at him like, what the F? And I look over, and the lead singer from Dead Milkman is standing next to me in the audience singing every single word. Oh, so there's a guy, he's a fan of so this. So basically, guy. he's just a fan of him. Picks no one knows who he is. And then the singer, right about that time, the singer is Sage French, the rapper, like finishes a song. It's dead silence, <laughs> a thousand people. Like, what? And he looks out and he goes, Yeah, I know you're all looking at me like, who the fuck is this guy? Uh, but give it up. I'm friends with a dead milkman, so they had me up here. <laughs> That's amazing. Then Dead Milkman come on, totally rip it. Absolutely awesome. If they ever come back, everyone has to go. I'm going next time. Promise. You're going next I'm, time. And then we had a but we did have a, a kind of a, a second holiday party at your house. So we did. I came on by Sunday. the next day. You recovered through a nice. Should soiree. we save that for next week? Because we oh next week's our um, our uh, end of year episode. All right, let's save it for so next let's week. Let's save that. We're gonna break the whole thing down, <laughs> Howard Stern style. We had all a ton of pod favorites were there. Blue shirt was there. Weber was there. Joe Schaefer was there. Everybody from the pod was there. So let's save that for next week. But Kaplan, before we get to that, yeah, we got some big news, right? Studio, su su studio. P- play it on the computer. Su su studio. Play the music. Play the music. <laughs> They're back. Studio is back in time for Christmas. Studio, if you don't remember, we had them on. They they sponsored us before. They have fantastic, top-of-the-line headphones from Sweden. Wireless headphones. Kaplan, here's the thing with them. First of all, it's like a hundred, <laughs> roughly a hundred bucks. You can go on there. I looked up all these other top of the line headphones are like three hundred bucks. They are three hundred fifty. Like Sennheisers, like three hundred dollars. No, sold out. Studio's about a hundred bucks. Beats and. and on top of that, if you put in the promo code Lost in America at checkout, you get a 15% discount. Right. So, so now they're, eight, they're down to 85 bucks. That's some quick math there. Look at that. They will ship all, they're out of Sweden, so you know their quality, but they will ship all around the world. Everywhere you are, they will also, <laughs> that's what around the world means. So if I'm in Antarctica for Christmas, I'm spending, they'll ship it to me. Worldwide shipping. All yeah. right. Done. Here's the thing, Cap. Studio Vasa Bla, B L A. This is Swedish, so bear with me. Yeah. Uh, the Studio Vasa Blah features cutting-edge Bluetooth 4.1 technology with multi-pairing capabilities. Vasa Blah boasts up to eight hours of unlimited playtime with unique standby for up to 10 days. That's a lot of podcasts you can listen to. You can listen to like eight episodes. Of eight hours without the charging it. Standby for 10, day, 10 yeah. days. Yeah, without. You can, go, you can go to Sweden and come back. <laughs> It'll still be coming. You can go pick them up at the factory. Yeah. Ship yourself to Sweden. <laughs> and here's the thing. The headphones now, all, if you... If you Pay attention to headphones. Which I do. <laughs> Which we all I'm, do. I walk around the city looking at people on their headphones. The headphone market can offer you one of two things, style or technology. 
Yeah. Studio offers both. Yeah. Style. First, <laughs> style. style and tech. What do you mean technology? That means they look cool. Right. They look cool, but also it's like the highest in technology they're using. So 4.1. Like you're sitting in a music studio. You, you feel like you're in in studios. Yeah. You got the big big headphones on like I wear, yeah. but they're not. Yeah. They're You can run around in them. That's good. Light. Light on your ears. With the carefully tuned driver and amplifier, the Vossablah delivers superior studio quality sound and noise, noise isolation, so you never miss a beat. It's unparalleled design, coupled with being the lightest, lightest on the market to date. Wow, lightest headphones on the market. Wham! Bam. Look is that, that kilograms or is, it, is that uh, pounds? <laughs> Doesn't matter. I don't know. Who's the is somebody in the independent study? I'm sure it's proven this is I'm true. I'm sure it's an independent study. Eh? And guess what else? We're going to have a link in the liner notes to this episode. The liner notes, baby. I don't know if that's what you call them, but that's what we call them. We'll have a link to the Vasa Blas for the 15% discount. Lost in America. Kaplan. Also, last thing, Amazon. Yeah. Still an app. Yeah. But do not buy your headphones on Amazon. No, because go to Boston. We want you to get fifty percent off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anything else besides But everything headphones. else you buy. Get him there. If you're doing your holiday shopping, it's happening right now. Christmas is coming right. up next week for all you Gentiles out there, all yeah. you all you heathens. Yeah. So buy you do your Christmas shopping, go to lostinamericapod.com. Also on our website, yeah. we have a link to studio too. So you can do that there. Go to uh, also, yeah. for Amazon, you click the Amazon banner, it takes you back to Amazon, do your regular shopping. A percentage of what you buy comes to us. It's been a great year for us. And, and if you're not in America, like there's I, my Ruby told me about Boxing Day. She heard about is Boxing bo- Day is, in England. Is Boxing Day gifts? Do you give gifts? Because uh, I think, I think we're, we're gonna say do it for Boxing Day. Boxing Day is when you move. Just, <laughs> oh no! It's, I think it's Day for Christmas. Your gifts. You return your gifts. So you return your gifts, then you go on Amazon buy something. If they didn't like it. Go on Amazon buy them something else. Yeah, deal with it. All right, that's <laughs> it. All outside kind of holidays. Get to Lost in America. Let's play the music. Play the music. All right, we're back. Love the music, Kaplan. Yes, we don't say that enough. We do. I, I drink. Everyone drink. Roots. We always say we love the music. Drink. Still rocking it. Every time I eat horse meat in Cuba, I love to listen to that song. Love the music, Kaplan. I'm lost in America this week. Uh huh. Genuinely course. lost. Here's what happened. I'm on. So if you're listening to this when it comes out, sometime in the next couple of days, I will be on CGTN TV, which yeah. is what does that stand for? I have no idea. All right. But I know it used to be CCTV America. So CCTV is the Chinese, um, it's like their version of the BBC, right? It's their cable news, but also it's this giant network. It's more BBC because it's not only cable news. It's like they have CCTV movies, CCTV news, CCTV, like every style. Because it's in China, they control, like it's government, it's state-run television. Like like our friends at PBS. Like our friends at PBS. Yeah. So they're in, for a while they had CCTV America. Uh, which was their like BBC America, right? And then I think they was a bad, they had a bad um, reputation, or they were worried about like Americans just thought like, okay, well this is China just right. pumping in their propaganda. Right, that RT channel, like from RT Russia. Russia Today, whatever. Yeah, so they changed the name to CGTN. I don't have any idea what it stands for. I'm not sure if anyone does, but they wanted to have me on this week to talk about comedy. They said, well, this is what they told me. They said, okay, uh, you used to do comedy in China, right? And I said yes. And they go, great, we want to have you on. To talk about your club. Right. And I was like, uh-oh. Kung fu comedy. Because on one hand, yes. On one hand, I want to be on TV, right? But on the other hand, 
my comedy club closed like two months ago. Breaking news here. Because the Chinese, the <laughs> Shanghai government shut it down for no good reason. Mm. Really no good reason. And they also closed like 20, 30 uh, foreign-owned bars and restaurants in the area of Shanghai where our club is. And now this state-run media wants me to come on and talk about how great our comedy club is. Did and they not know that it was shut down? They don't know. So I tell them in an email. I say, hey, uh, I can do that. Oh, and this is all through our friend Jen Johnson. Oh, Jen Johnson, yes. She works for them, right? Shout out. She listens to the pod. Very so then Chinese. I Jen tell Johnson. her, I tell Jen Johnson, who's a friend of yours from Syracuse University, that I can do this, but also our club's been shut down, so I don't know how much you want me to say, how much I'm allowed to say. I mean, I live in America. I can say whatever I want, but I do also like to go back to China from time to time, and I don't want to say anything. Right. You don't want to appear ungrateful for them closing down first your ice cream business and then your comedy club. Exactly. I don't <laughs> want to be ungrateful to our new overlords. <laughs> So take away all of your dreams. But one at by the same one. time, I want the T I want to be on TV, baby. I'm yeah. a ham. Put me on. Yeah. Get this mug on TV. Can I don't just pretend like what are they? Are they still there? So then I, I tell them that. But I'm, I'm so they have me dealing with an intern mm. and uh, shout out to her. But I don't know. I don't think she had any idea what she was doing. Yeah. Or you so, don't know her name either. We don't know. So I told her, I was like, hey, I can do this, but I don't. Our, our club got shut down. And she goes, oh, OK, sounds great. Love to have you on. Uh, we will tell you the topic the day of the show, the specific topic, and then you'll go do it, right? So, day of the show comes. There's no, they don't tell me a specific topic. Mm. They do give me a town car to and from the studio, which is great. Wow. Um, but they don't tell me the your topic. Manager Todd demanded that. <laughs> manager Todd demanded That's in your it. Deal. But they don't tell me the topic. They just say, "Oh, it's comedy in China. We're going to talk about comedy in China." I'm like, "Okay, great." They go, "You're going to come to the studio. Our studio is at this location in Lower Manhattan." And we'll have you on. I'm like, great. So I get to the studio. Uh, the driver drops me off. I get to the studio. There's this whole, like, gate you have to get in. There's a dude down that you have to check in. Uh, they don't tell me, like, what floor to go on, what number to call when I get there, anything. It's I like look, a trap. <laughs> I go back through the email. I find the intern's phone number. I call her. Nobody answers. This is so how people disappear. Yeah. <laughs> so then I, I email her, and I say, hey, I'm at your studio. Where do I go? And she emails back and, oh, no, she calls and she goes, oh, just come on up. We're here. And I was like, I can't come on up. There's, there's, a, um, there's a whole check-in counter with security. And she goes, oh, there is? I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> yes, there is. And she goes, oh, um, just tell them you're coming. I think it's fine. And I'm like, but what floor? Where do I even go? And she goes, oh, um, 18th floor. Just tell them 18th floor. I think it's fine. And I say, who do I get when I get there? Who do I ask for? And she goes, oh, just tell, I don't know, but just tell them. And then, so then I do tell them and they go, oh yeah, you're going to, I, I go, yeah, I need to go to the 18th floor. They're like, what's your name? I'm like, Turner Sparks. They go over, get this piece of paper and they go, oh, you're going to the um, Associated Press building studio. So she doesn't tell me that she's not in New York. She's in Washington, D.C., does she think you're in Washington, D.C.? No, she knows I'm in New York. She just didn't communicate that I'm not going to her office. Is this, how Chinese is this girl? <laughs> Incredibly Chinese. And yeah, I think she's like a young intern. But it's, at any point, she could have said, hey, I, I'm in D.C. You're in New York. I'm not going to be there. Right. But she, and she that's why she says, just come on up. I'm like, you work here? I can't yeah. come on up. So anyway, they let me in. I go up. I get to the 18th floor. No one. There's no one there. Uh, there's like... There's an office, but you have to go. You need a code to get into the office, right? There's no one there. I'm sitting in this kind of lobby area, and I'm staring around. There's nothing to A guy walks out, and I'm like, hey. I just get him. I'm like, hey, I, I'm here. And he's like, where are you supposed to be going? 
this is like an American guy. I'm like, he's, where are you supposed to be going? I'm like, I don't really know. I know I'm doing this thing for CGTN. And he's like, oh, is that BBC? I'm like, no, CGTN's this Chinese thing. He goes, oh, okay, just come with me. He walks me in the back, and this guy goes, oh, you're here. You're here for the show? Cool. I think I was supposed to meet you, but no one ever told me you were here. So anyway, he's like, how'd you get in? I'm like, some guy just let me in. He goes, oh, that's lucky. Yeah, well, your spot's in like 45 seconds. Live? Yeah, live. <laughs> I think you're not live, I guess, but it's scheduled time. I go back, and the guy's like, all right, cool. So you're here. You're talking to CGTN. He's like, what's the topic? I'm like, I really don't know. They haven't told me. He's like, they haven't told you the topic? I'm like, I just know it's comedy. And he's like, all right, good luck. <laughs> what the and, fuck? Yeah. The production. And then uh, I'm like, am I going to be able to see the person I'm talking to? He's like, no, no, no. You just get a headphone. You get an earpiece. And then you're going to – there's a camera on you. But I'm just in the room. Right. Which, again, could Can be – it looks like one of those things when you want someone to, like, Al-Qaeda to confess to a crime. Yeah. You're you gonna... throw them in there. I'm about to get waterboarded. Is the person talking to you from D.C. or they're talking to you from China? D.C. Okay. Yeah. And uh, I sit there for like five minutes, nothing. And then this lady comes on. And the whole time I'm worried. I'm like, don't ask me about the comedy club. Don't ask me about the comedy club. Don't ask me about the comedy club. She comes on. I, I, I'm pretty sure this message from the intern that I don't have a comedy club anymore because it got taken away by her, uh, the Shanghai police, is, has not gotten through. Never gotten through. Yeah. So she is a Chinese lady. She comes on the audio and she's like, hi, um, I'm like whatever her name is. And she's like, we're going to go to the air in 30 seconds. I'm like, all right. <laughs> she goes, this will be about five minutes. And then, but that's as much information as I even know. And I'm like, can you just be, tell me what we're talking about? She's like, oh, just comedy. I'm like, oh, here we go. So then we go to air. I, to this point, I still Jill don't Johnson's know. Johnson's really got it. I mean, she's a newest education. She's got to get it to hold these people. <laughs> I think she's in a different department. All and right. she was doing me a favor of putting me on. So shout All out right. to her. Jen. Thank you. Shout out, Jen. That, shout out, Jen. Mike Sammy says hi. So then <laughs> I do the whole thing. It's fine. They don't ask me. They just ask me like, oh, so you used to do comedy in China. How is that? Do you think that comedians from China can be popular in the future? Like, yes. Okay. How do you like, how is the transition back to America? It was great. Thank you. That's all. You, uh, lots of fun. Uh, see you later. And then bye. And then no wrap up. And then the, the guy from AP comes back in. He's like, okay, that seemed okay. I'm like, it was okay. He's like, all right, see you later. And then later on, Drew Freilich was like, what show were you on? I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> they never told me the name of the show. Did it air? No, it airs. Um, so I asked the intern later. I emailed her. I was like, hey, thanks. When is this going to be on the air? She's like, oh, sometime later in the week. We'll send you a tape. Oh, so I think she, I got her down to Friday, but we don't know what time Friday or what show. Could you I'm see on. the person interviewing you? No. And could you see yourself? I could you- see myself. Uh, was it on a, like was it like awkward to like look at yourself while you're being interviewed like on a- yeah it's almost like they shouldn't have shown me myself because you're tempted to just look into your own eyes but you actually should be looking into the camera and then can I say this my boss I had saw- the same problem this week I, I saw that that's what I was gonna say <laughs> <laughs> and I think he might have been in the same studio as me I think Robert De Niro was in the same studio because I saw him on a CNN in- when yeah, I got he home- was on senior national and he was it was very disconcerting because he's and it was on delay with him so it the was first like thing I off. turned on when I got home from that interview <laughs> was CCTV I mean a uh, CNN International I turned on it's Robert De Niro on a split screen I'm almost positive he's in the same studio and he he's looking off to the side at his own picture the whole time he's yeah. not looking into the camera and i'm like i i think yeah. i'm more professional you have, you have something to talk to him about now exactly <laughs> so that's it i don't know what i i was so worried that they were gonna tell me to talk about the club and i never would have been let back in china again but luckily yeah you love thank them because it, it was too much pressure running a club from abroad mm. it was it was 100 it was so thank you overlords thank you, you very for much seeing the light yes <laughs> and that's it captain so, yeah 
Should we get to? Sorry, I just went on a rant. There. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Should we get to Roseanne Lake? Let's bring her in. Speaking of China, she has a whole history with China. Roseanne Lake, and come Cuba. on in. All right, we're back with our guest, Roseanne Lake. Roseanne, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. I got a question for you. <laughs> Shoot. <laughs> what if I told you <laughs> Laugh Pass is our new sponsor? Wow. Laugh Pass, Kaplan. This is fantastic. I'm going to tell you guys both this deal, and then you're going to tell me how awesome it is. Laugh Pass is a new um, deal run by Stand Up New York Comedy Club. Our, Stand Up NY. Where we've had some great live podcasts. Where we've done some great Woo-hoo! live podcasts. They have this deal going on where for $159 a year, you can get a one-year, essentially like a membership to the Stand Up New York Comedy Club. Does which that- is on the Upper West Side of Manhattan. So this is that to anyone who comes to New York regularly or lives in New York. Here's what you get for 159 dollars a year: crow's feet and better abs. Yes, plus plus lots of laughs. Access to unlimited stand-up New York shows. Wow, unlimited! You can go to as many shows as you want throughout the year. Those are like 25 bucks each. You're going to have show. great apps. Which right? would include live podcasts, right? Which like would include ours. our, yeah, if we do another live podcast there. You're getting that. in for free. Plus, uh, <laughs> VIP seating at each show. You're going to be right in that front row looking right at us. I guess so, or wherever yeah. you want, right? Or if, maybe VIP show. sitting at our shows is you don't want to be too close. You want to Plus a free ticket for a friend to each show. Ooh. So you get two free tickets to each show. Yeah. Plus a free drink uh, upon arrival at each show. Plus a free bottle of wine on your birthday, uh, the week of your birthday. My goodness. This is kind of amazing, right? And they, have the, be- they have the best wine at the stand. You have to drink it at the club, <laughs> though. You can't take it home. That's yeah. the thing. You can't be like, I'll take the wine, but I'm not staying. Yeah. You have to drink it at the club. Plus uh, direct alerts and big name comics and celebrities drop ins, which happens all the time. I.e., you'll get alerts about us. Yeah. <laughs> and Kaplan, uh, Turner Sparks and, and Michael Kaplan are there. We got a word that they're coming off the four train. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they're on their way here. They're on the way to pop in. Yeah. But that New York, Stand Up New York is one of the best clubs in New York. So it's one of those clubs where people come in from like, like Chris Rock's there. Right. Jerry, Jerry Seinfeld, Seinfeld shows, shows up there. So you'll find out. So it's a year of shows for $159 plus a drink plus a friend. So it's two tickets. Plus, wait, you gotta, wait, they give you a friend. And they give you a friend. If you don't have friends, they'll provide a friend. And here's the best part. Uh, If you put in, when you get it, if you put in Lost in America at checkout, $20 off, $139. I'm going to do it myself. That's an amazing deal. Laugh pass. We will put the link in our liner notes, as we call them, to the show. Roseanne, how good of a deal is that? That's a great deal. How do you feel about being the first guest we've We've read an ad, too. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like you guys are making it. (laughs) We are making it now. Let's come a long way since your last time. This is the next Washington Post right here. uh, The world is going to hell if this is the next Washington Post. (laughs) So, Cuba. We want to talk Cuba. Last time we talked China. Um, and we're going through the seas. I know the communist countries. Working our way. Can't get enough of them. So first of all, wait, let's go back to the book quickly. How's the book doing? The book's good. It's out. It's got teeth. It's in the world. I don't have to, you know, be uh, be with it every two seconds anymore. It's But it's out there. It's good. It's coming out in French in a couple months. Oh, French. It's been translated into Chinese. It's currently being wow. lightly censored and should be out in lightly time for, <laughs> by the censors. Um, and it should be out just in time for International Women's Day. Cool. And wait, what's it called in French? 
Ah, so this has been the the source of a bit of back and forth with my French publisher. Um, right now, we're looking at Génération Fille Unique, oh. Les Femmes Chinoises à l'Assaut du Monde. That checks That's a out. Lot of Sounds words. good, right? Well, French just does the problem with French. It just requires so many words to say something. Right. And does it, 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 is it well, wait, what's it in English? And then what is it? Yeah, what does the translation mean? Yeah. So in English, it's leftover in China, the women shaping the world's next superpower. Yes, about leftover women in China, which is this concept of women when they get to a certain age, which is very young, like 27. Yep. Then they're not, they're too they're, old to get married. Ruined. Right. They're like ruined. leftover food, left on the shelf, Tupperware which, which stuff. My wife, yeah, yeah, would have something to say about Doggy bag. She, she does. She we know she does. Yeah. <laughs> well, leftovers, I, it's, leftovers get a bad rap too. No, but they're <laughs> delicious. They're <laughs> like seriously prefer, delicious. Like, sometimes you prefer leftovers. Yes. That's a whole nother. And so then into French, what did you, how, I don't speak French. So in French, it would be Generation um, Vieille Fille, which would be the French translation of leftover. And it would be like the generation of leftovers. And then Les Femmes Chinoises à la Sous du Monde is really like the Chinese women who are taking over the world. So it there's a similar ring to it. I was hoping we could be a little bit more thoughtful about it. Um, so maybe like really show that, you know, I have a deep understanding of French and French culture and do a thoughtful sort of witty translation that's maybe a play on words. So I was thinking, well, what do we have in, you know, French as far as expressions that relate to China? There's guested chinois, which is basically like, um, you know, like a, a mind boggling thing. It's like, can we get something that, you know, that we could add in front of castet, like catrinette, which is actually how you say leftover, but it's a very archaic term. And so we're going through all these different things. Wow. I mean, I really just want to find a way to translate having a vagina in China <laughs> articulately into French, because I think that would be a great title. <laughs> That's a great title. It rhymes. It does. Also, do or they... just vagina, if you want to abbreviate it. But they're not really having it. It's a pretty serious sociological French house, and you know. Just, it feels like way too much work. Cab, I would just do <laughs> Google Translate for my nah, it But to work. me, doesn't, doesn't no. French, like, I can't picture French people, like, taking leftovers from a restaurant. So like it's such an American thing to me. It's the doggy bag. Like that so I, they probably don't look at the same. It makes it even more stronger. Oh, these American leftovers. There's Applebee's. So, so Applebee's. I, so I think the vagina is a great idea. Go there. Right. The French the French will respond to that very well. I think they will, which Based is why we're working really hard to French find a way to translate knowledge. it. So um we'll see. But we have to decide quickly. And also cover art, um, which you know, what I've seen so far is a bit generic. I want them to get a little bit more artsy and colorful on me so we'll see why not just do the same cover art it doesn't work that way really? it's almost, no it's never there's a designer here who does it with your house here and then every other edition is a complete i mean they sometimes look radically different wow what about other countries i was thinking like, of like seeing if we could get monet to do the cover or something sure. like that would yeah. be perfect but booked um, yeah we can get uh josh the guy who did <laughs> our podcast cover yeah he just really oh all right cartoons <laughs> we'll i love here. cartoons there are America. cartoons on the current cover <laughs> made, i would love that he made my ears a little too big but other than that he, <laughs> he was all right he did a good job my, what about like spanish or like just even like in england yeah i was gonna say like does it have to be a language you speak is that how you feel most comfortable doing it because like you're doing it in chinese no 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 it depends on who buys the rights it has nothing to do with languages I speak. I happen to speak them, but... So what if you do it in a language you don't speak? You just trust that they're you, translating? No, you correct? call your friends. Wow. <laughs> that seems like a lot. Yeah, you call your friends. Of course. 
And what about in China? You said it's lightly censored. And what what are they censoring? Uh, I I mean, they're not going to tell me. Um, oh, really? No, they'll show it to me at the end, and I sort of get to sign off on it. So I've been told. Um, you, have, you have an hour to sign off on it. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> see if you can see the note. 40,000 characters. It's like, it's like um, slamming something through Senate. Uh, <laughs> like, you're not going to read this bill. Yeah, 3,000 <laughs> pages. You have one hour we're voting. No, I suspect it's some of the stuff that talks about sort of the origins of the one-child policy, um, which you know, that's an important part of the book because a lot of these leftover women are only daughters, right? They were products of this policy that um, eliminated lots of baby girls, but some of them were born. And um, it's it's kind of an unpleasant origin, which, you know, I go pretty deep into the history of it. Maybe not all Chinese people know about this. So maybe this is something they want to get rid of. Um, I write about or, you know, uh, airbrush, right? Um, I also write about the 16 million gay men who marry straight women, um, sort of, you know, without the women knowing, right? Because they have so much pressure to get married that they do that. Maybe, you know, uh, homosexuality in China is still a pretty uh, sticky subject. And so maybe there are bits of that that are going to go, we'll have to see. But um, I'm delighted it is Change coming that out in 16 China. 16 million to just 16. So I got rid of the million. <laughs> <laughs> We had there's 16 six, gays. There are 16 gay men in China. China. Yeah. We're working on it. 16 gay men in yes. all of China. And yes. we're hunting them down. <laughs> we'll make sure they're not after yeah. Uh, yeah. after this commercial break. Um. <laughs> and how do you feel? Are you taking the philosophy like, well, at least if some of my, um, most of my, like what I've written is getting across. I'm fine with that. I, I mean, I want it to be true to the original text, right? Um, but obviously this is part of what happens when you publish in China. And um, I don't really feel like I should be moaning about it. I mean, as long as most of it is there, I'm delighted that it's coming out, mainly because so much of the stories, you know, came from women, but also from their parents, from their mothers, because a lot of the pressure they're getting, I mean, all the pressure is from family, from relatives, from society. And so if this means that Chinese moms can read the book and better understand that, you know, their daughter is not the only unmarried woman in a country of 1.3 billion people. She's actually part of a growing legion of women who are very symptomatic of really good things for the future of China, right? Well-educated women living in urban areas with big aspirations. Um, then that's great. You know, it'd be nice if they could read that and help bridge that gap between like, you know, that generation of chickens that gave generation birth to a generation of ducks, right? The moms who were born during a cultural revolution and didn't have any of the options that these daughters have. And, you know, Suddenly, these daughters who grow up in a very different world and can't really relate to their mom so well. If the book can help in that way, then I'd be, you know, tremendously happy. Yeah. Duck is also what they call a, a male prostitute in China. Oh, right. it's okay. how you say. <laughs> That's right. How many male, million male prostitutes are there? 16. 16. <laughs> Just 16 total. <laughs> well, it's, it's two times eight. Eight's a very lucky number in China. Why do they so call it a duck? I don't know. That's just what. The, am I wrong? Well, um, a female prostitute is a chicken. So yeah, that, yeah. and you said chicken yes. and ducks. It yeah. Made me oh <laughs> no. <laughs> you said ducks giving birth to chickens and chickens yeah. giving birth to ducks. No, that's just one of the what one of the women in the book said. She's like, it's like a generation of chickens is giving birth to a generation of ducks. We're completely different. They don't understand. And so, if, I'm if I can help them, poultry for dinner. And <laughs> yeah. get some. Okay, so on to Cuba. Yeah, Cuba. What can so, I tell you? Uh, how chicken. often do you go there? I go every couple of weeks, depending on what well, else is going on, um, you know, with, with book stuff. I try to get down there. You summer in Cuba. <laughs> well, it's always summer in yeah. Cuba. Um, but yeah, as often as I can, depending on news and schedules. But yeah. And do you have a place, like, do you have an apartment there? Or what, do you just have a hotel you always stay no, at? No, I, I always stay at the same apartment every time. Same apartment? Yeah. Okay. Whose and, apartment is it? It's like 
through the economist. Do we need to get oh. knowledge? Yeah, it's obviously through work. Castro or Hemingway? Like, those are the like two a, people. I, I write, write they meant, all like, of my stories for, like, at Hemingway's that... typewriter. <laughs> <laughs> I file everything from his typewriter. That's oh, you feed the cats. <laughs> I do. We had lots of them. But I mean, they know. So The Economist has, you're the only person from The Economist who goes? Or is there a fleet? Like when you get down there, they're like, No, hey. I, I go on my own. So, I'm their woman in Havana. It's you a are. One stop shop. One stop shop. And I just so think, think Cuban needed like a whole fleet. <laughs> well, but, but my guess, what I'm asking is when you come up with, because you, you were stories, which we're going to go through a few of them. Yeah. When you do, you pitch it to someone and they're like, yeah, like who would know more about, at the economist would know more about Cuba than you would if you're the one there every couple of weeks? Um, no, I mean, I pitch stories to my editor and depending on what he's keen on, I'll work on it. So I'll, you know, sniff around and probably be interested in something before I get down there with the intention to set up interviews and write a story when I'm down there. So I'll run that past him first. And of course, inevitably, there's always stuff that pops up on the ground that I end up writing later. Um, you know, like you just become fascinated by something and you follow that stream while you're there and then you come back and pitch it and write it up. How long have you been going? Um, I've been at this for almost two years. Okay. So did, um, so Cuba did open up back to Cuba. They opened up two years ago. Or I mean like slightly. I mean, slightly. It's yeah. Not- so diplomatic relations were re- reestablished between the U.S. and Cuba, which was a big deal um, when we had Obama in office. It's obviously very different with our current president. Um, but it didn't really go the full way. Right. So that Deng Xiaoping moment of there really is going to be a transition here and, you know, we're going to open up the markets has been hampered by obviously the fact that the U.S. embargo still exists, but also the fact that there's an internal embargo in Cuba. Right. I mean, the government itself is reticent to, you know, an open market. That's be that's abundant over and over and over and over. I mean, that's very clear the second you get down there. And so they're being cautious with how they open. I think they've seen the way China's opened and they don't like everything. Everything they've seen. They don't like the inequality between the classes. They don't like some of the sort of the moral cost of a country getting rich so quickly. And it makes them uneasy, right? Even though China hasn't lost its power, despite, you know, letting people get online and, and get wealthy, um, Cuba maybe isn't certain that they'll be able to do the same just yet. So they're developing their own model, which is, you know, perfectly respectable. I mean, it was said, you know, sin prisa and sin pausa, like we're going to do this not in a rush, but not without sort of taking our time. And they've done more of the latter. Um, and it's certainly not what everybody was expecting. I mean, there were lots of delegations going down there from the U.S. official and, you know, um, from the government and, and from the private sector and and people really keen to do stuff that just it became apparent that it's it's not it's not the right moment just yet. That's not happening. Well, it's also tricky because they they're so it's like they're so close to America. They're right they're, there. So if they open ninety up miles off the coast I of mean, Miami or Florida, they're gonna. Lo- I mean, I, I don't. Like China's pulled off this amazing thing for my like where it's like not capitalist, obviously. No, it is. But it, it is. is. Like I, it's not. Well, there's no freedom. Is it? Like there's no political freedom, but there's economic freedom. Yes, right. which is very. Yeah. I don't know it's what other capitalism with off. Chinese characteristics. Yes, <laughs> that's, that's what they call it. Yeah, which yeah. is yeah. a joke. It's one with man-to-man principles. But, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So it's uh, Cuba couldn't pull that off. There's no way they could pull that off. I mean, they could. So, they can. Uh, Cuban people. What fascinates well, me about them but is this government. I mean, like this. Well. Uh, the government, right? right? But the government and the people are different things. Um, in China, the government kind of allowed people to get wealthy and kind of allowed capitalism to be a thing. Whereas Cuba, the official line is no. But I mean, Cubans are just as entrepreneurial as the Chinese and they're just as capitalist, right? I mean, given the limitations that they have to operate under, they're very entrepreneurial and that capitalist spirit is alive and well in Havana. I guess the other thing with that is that uh, the obvious fear is that Really, when you have 
overriding power as a government and, and people don't have certain freedoms, the more even slight freedoms you give them, the less the fear is that you're going to have less power. Right. The fear could be that. I mean, I think there are elements of it that, yes, okay, the fear of losing power is one concern, but I think there are also other concerns. Um, you know, Cuba is a country that has prided itself for a really long time on healthcare for everyone and education for everyone and being a relatively egalitarian society. And you lose that when, you know, you open up and you become a market economy in ways that they probably don't want to do. Um, they don't want people to get extremely wealthy and then have, you know, extremely poor people being left behind. That's starting to happen already um, because inevitably, you know, when the economy started to open up a little bit in 2010 domestically, um, you had people who did things like open restaurants or open B&Bs in their homes. And because those people have contact with the outside world, so tourists and whatnot and tips and everything else, and they just happen to be in lucrative industries, they've gotten quite wealthy. And, you know, Americans and, and people who are second generation Cuban anywhere can repeat Repatriate. And when you repatriate, you also have, you know, the ability to open a business. So you've had foreign capital going into those businesses. And you have, you know, spectacular homes and spectacular restaurants that turn around a fair amount of money. And, you know, you'll see an Audi. You'll see uh, it's rare, but you'll see a Maserati. Like these things exist in, you know, quote unquote, communist Cuba. Right. So already that has started to happen. And I think they kind of worried about that because they wanted to make sure, you know, equal opportunities were uh, continue to exist. Now, it's a fine balance between making sure you you remain a relatively egalitarian society and just completely repressing the private sector. So what's the private um the private sector look like? Cuz I read yeah. in in one of your articles, you talk about these permits that yeah. people need. Licenses, so if you yeah. want to if you're just cuz I I was there in 2002 and it's not what you're it, well, at that time it wasn't no. what you're describing. No. It was just everyone was poor except the government was wildly rich. Right. right. And That's then like the, the government was there. I mean it was just what's the, that? Yeah, it was inequality. It was just the government had the rich Yeah, government. the idea really that rich. everyone's equal, everyone is equally super poor yeah. except for the government was really rich. So this idea that like, well, we don't want to lose our morals and let people get like too rich is like fell I mean yeah. it seemed very false yeah. when it's like all right yeah you just don't want everyone as rich as you right um but it sounds like now, like, so 2010 was the year when they started slowly opening? Yeah, they started, um, basically the private sector was kind of born around that time. They started issuing licenses and you could choose to be certain professions. Now they range from like um, owning a beauty salon. So braiding, there's a license for braiding hair. There was a license for braiding hair and painting nails, um, having a car repair shop, having a cafe, all those sorts of things. And so, you, but every... Uh, profession needed a different license, right? If you were a fortune teller, you needed a license. But if they you... should have a license, I believe. But is there a cap on how I many? I agree with like, that one. In America, be... they should have a license. I think it's such a scam. Well, Especially a in like New Orleans, where they're on every street corner. Yeah. Yeah. But how do you? Is there like a, a cap on how many quotas on each field, or like how do you? Oh yeah. Let's say if everyone wants to become a. Or like, you know what I mean? A like, YouTube star. Yeah, YouTube they star. can. Well, <laughs> there's I mean, not it's like... Instagram celebrity. <laughs> you know, you know. I was once out at a party and somebody started talking to me and was like, what do you do? And I said, oh, I'm a journalist. What do you do? He goes, so YouTuber. I'm a YouTuber. Oh. So YouTuber. That was his YouTuber? profession. Yeah. Oh. And I was like, wow, this is like a thing. I don't That's think he needs a license to be a YouTuber. <laughs> yeah, really. But he was a YouTuber. Um, and he so did like... YouTuber. Yeah. So a YouTuber. Did you have a license for that? I kind of started laughing. No, I don't think... He, he no. needed a license. Maybe Wait, entertainer. Do you need a license possibly. to sell hot dogs? 
I don't think you can buy hot dogs uh, there. It's an old when your fly's down. You got your oh. license on. Oh. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> Keep going. <laughs> um, so yeah, there's this license system, and and they're not. I mean, there isn't a quota of like there can only be you know two thousand car repairmen. But if there's a field that's getting particularly um, profitable, so restaurant owner or B and B owner, they will freeze the licenses on them. They won't issue any new ones. And they don't want people to make too much money, right? And that's exactly what they did this last is... year. Uh, they froze them. Truck drivers. Yeah, I mean, they, yeah, they, they, they really do. Freeze so they froze licenses. them on the. Yeah, they froze. I got froze. They froze a handful of, <laughs> of, of license podcasters. Do you need a permit to have a podcast? <laughs> no, but the entertainers are under big trouble, and you would probably fall under this category. They are. <laughs> yeah. Not any they, Wait, they, tell they, us why. Decreto three forty nine. It's basically a really contentious new decree that is going to sort of open up, require entertainers to sort of be censored a bit more. Basically, they'll need more approval for what it is they're trying to do. Uh, Well, (laughs) I mean, but that covers everything from, you know, fine art to reggaeton artists. And, you know, reggaeton artists can get quite wealthy. And it's part of it is, I guess, moral, right? Some of the stuff you hear in songs, whatever they want to make sure that they're not espousing, you know. Like banging uh, on the bathroom floor. (laughs) I mean, uh, it's (laughs) Cuba, so there's a pretty high tolerance for those sorts of things. Oh, yeah, that's a good question. What what gets regulated is like sex. You can talk about that. But you can't talk about the government, obviously. Uh, no, but uh, most reggaeton songs, you know, yeah, they don't. Been, they're uh, not very political. No, no, no. Um, this. <laughs> but it's been. <laughs> <laughs> Shaggy's not uh, doing his political rants. No, no. Um, I mean, if you do it the humor, you have a surprising amount of leeway. There's a comedian named Pamphilo who is absolutely adored in Cuba. He's got tons and tons and tons of people who tune into his weekly show. Um, and, you know, everything that comes up, he very dutifully touches in his show. What does he talk in about? Sort of, I mean, for example, um, you know, Cuba was having some issues um, buying food because it wasn't getting, you know, as much money from Venezuela, from it's different, the price of nickel is down, it's different sources of income. Bolsonaro sent back all the Cuban doctors or all the Cuban doctors are leaving Brazil, like a lot of different income sources are kind of failing. And so its coffers aren't as big to be able to buy rice. And um, instead of buying rice from Brazil, uh, they were buying a lot of the rice from Vietnam. And Cubans don't like the rice from Vietnam. Um, mm. It doesn't cook as well. They don't like the taste. Well, and so... Shots sh- fired. <laughs> Vietnamese rice. Yeah. Come on. Who no, you don't rice? mess with the Cubans was, and their rice. The whole war could have been avoided. You <laughs> just knew their rice was no good. And so, you know, you'll see Pamphilo, like, <laughs> with, a, with a thing of rice, and he'll be picking out rice, and he'll go, ay, está rob vietnamito. Or, you know, like... Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He so, will, you know... We had one time, Joe Schaefer and I, and Andy Curtin, another comedian in Shanghai... They came to us like the I think it was like Shanghai TV or something came to us and like we want you guys to develop a daily show, but for China. And our first answer was like, uh, no, you don't. You don't want us. We don't, you want us to talk about politics? I think it's a great in idea. China. And they're like, oh, yeah. But for this show, you need to and everything you have to say has to be something good about China. <laughs> that's great and comedy. That's yeah, great great like, comedy. How? This is impossible. There are websites like this that, that, that exist. Are there? Yeah. Well, this guy sounds like he's doing it if he's saying like, oh, yeah, the Vietnamese, you just piggyback like the Vietnamese. No, but it's like they're light hits at Cuba, right? Like he's 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 underscoring the fact that there are things wrong. I mean, things that people are talking about and complaining about come up in his show. Yeah. Yeah. He's incredibly talented. Wow, send cool. Joe Schaefer down. To Cuba. He's a young guy. He's like thirty-five, but he dresses up like a seventy-year-old, you know, little man named Pamphilo, and he kind of waddles around and <laughs> whatever latest ridiculous thing that. Does he ever come to America? The United uh, States. Probably. 
I mean, I'm probably. Um, I'm not sure he like does shows here. I don't think he he did a show with Obama. Um, not here, but when before Obama was visiting, they shot a segment and um, Bonfilo called the White House, and it was an excellent, excellent episode. We should get him to do one with Trump. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> or us. Every president, every president, it should be it's like the Hall of Presidents. And so um, now it's um, but now what's going on with these licenses? Because I, I in the article it was like yeah. So now they've consolidated a lot of the categories. Um, so before there were two hundred something, and now there are a hundred something um so they've made it a little bit easier like instead of needing a separate license to cut hair and braid hair it's the same license which obviously is logical but this is to show you just how specific they were about you know how you could not get rich um and that's basically the point of it right essentially i mean it's just you know it's also to make it's uncharted territory for cuba and i guess they just wanted to you know do it slowly um nobody else does this but this is the cuban way and um there was a whole lot of talk about so in july they announced these new regulations that took effect um earlier this month and in july they were saying that you could only have one license so there were tons of people that had more than one license right if you owned a bookshop and that also doubled as a cafe you needed two licenses one to sell books and want to serve snacks. Well, with this idea of making it only one license, you would have to cease one of those operations. Um, And they finally realized that that was probably a bad idea. So like on the eve of or two nights before these regulations took effect, um, the the head of the the office for for work and social security actually came on TV and said um, on this nightly program called Mesa Redonda or an evening program called Mesa Redonda and said um, it's actually OK to have two, um, which was a game changer. Right. Because so many people would have had to turn in their second license. I know a lot of people who were and were thinking about how they were going to have to repivot their entire business or find a loophole. Right. Because just like the Chinese are good at finding workarounds, so are the Cubans. And they're already thinking, you know, how can I do this? How can I do that? But you were seeing long queues of people lining up to hand in their licenses and and, and deciding. Um, so it was a good move and it's an encouraging one. It's certainly not adequate, right? There's certainly a whole lot of other ways that, um, you know, the, the sector could grow and it's not able to. Uh, access to wholesale markets is number one. I really, I feel so strongly about this. I mean, I think that could be the Deng Xiaoping moment. If Cuba got a wholesale market and instead of you as a chef needing to go to the supermarket that everyone else goes to, to compete with them, to get chicken for your restaurant at non-wholesale prices, if you could actually find a way to do that instead of having to rely on the black market and run the risk of getting caught and finding a farmer who could guarantee that city supply, like just the extra work. Why don't they have that? Just because they don't have them. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so people go to other places, right? It's it's normal for someone who runs a restaurant to make a couple of trips to Panama or Mexico or, you know, Florida to stock up on things like cutlery and glasses. Like when I'm sitting in a Cuban restaurant and a glass breaks, I, I like my heart kind of breaks because I know that getting a replacement one is actually quite difficult. Oh, I right? can never go to Cuba. I'd be I break a glass. I remember I went to a baseball game in Cuba. This might have to do with it. And they had um, the beer was sold in paper bags, but then like lined with wax so it wouldn't spill out. You oh know? my! Yeah, but you and we thought it was like, it's like cool. fish and chips. But I'm sure if you had to do it every every game you went to, it'd be annoying. 
yeah. much for like a one-off thing. We're like, oh, this is awesome. They yeah. definitely yeah, have I mean, plastic it, straws. It is. <laughs> <laughs> What's it, their band? They have a plastic straw band going on. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, but it's a big issue. Like now with more and more private restaurants popping up, like takeaway is getting more popular. Uh, but half the time, like the takeaway container, which you have to pay extra for, costs like half of the price of whatever it is you're ordering. And so it you know, decentivizes another element of a way to grow your business. It's a silly thing, but you end up paying 50 cents for a styrofoam container to take away your pasta or whatever it is you ordered that probably only costs 250. Yeah. And what's the punishment if you're doing a business without a license? They're big punishments. I mean, okay. you know, um, even registering a business under someone's name who doesn't actually own the business. I mean, they've published a list of what those punishments are going to be. Anything from, you know, suspending your license to fines to it depends what it is exactly. But there are certainly punishments and there are plenty of inspectors that, you know, come around making sure that you're not doing anything shady. Cool. Which, of course, you have to be to operate. I mean, yeah. as a restaurant owner, you can't just depend on, you know, state markets to get your provisions. You can. You and need. You are definitely bribing those inspectors. I was going to say, are they getting, <laughs> is that like common that they bribe of the course. inspectors? And oh, everything? my gosh. Yes. I mean, I know a guy who owns a restaurant and he needs, it's a seafood restaurant, right? So he needs a pretty steady supply of seafood, uh, fish primarily. And he gets it all from a place called Batabano, which is kind of like where a lot of the fish comes from for restaurants in Havana. And I said, well, you know, how, what's the transportation situation like? Because the roads aren't great and there aren't tons of, you know, big vehicles, especially ones that would keep the fish cool enough. And he's like, oh, sometimes I get people, you know, who drive ambulances to bring it to me. So your dinner, wow. you know, could be coming sure. across the With island. With an open wound. You got it. You just have to be inventive, right? That's yeah. part of what makes the place such a rompecabezas, right? Until you get to that point <laughs> to understand, oh my God, my dinner came here in an ambulance yeah. from two hours away. So if they get a, I want to get a permit as an ambulance driver. <laughs> you can you make go. a lot of money as a side hustle. Yeah. Inspector, those are the ones they... <laughs> yeah. Okay, so what? Uh, I feel like we have so much more, but we're I I don't know if we're gonna have time to talk about all this. But so, what do you have coming up? I know we were talking another story. I don't know if, if you can't talk about it yet. We'll have you back on sometime soon that you're working on a top secret story. But uh, is there anything you're working on that you can tell us about? Ah, uh, well, the internet has come to Cuba. Um, oh. Yeah, there's now 3G on the island. It's 3G. times are changing, um, and it's actually come at a really interesting time because, as part of what I was telling you later earlier, these new regulations, uh, a lot of taxi drivers have gone on strike. Um, so you have a few different ways to get around Cuba. You've got private taxis, which are mainly used by tourists and you know people who can afford them, and then you have these things called almendrones, which are these you know old cars from the 50s, American cars that. Speak Spew all kinds of things because they're old, but they're sort of shared taxis, right? And they're my favorite way to get around because like yeah. oh, they're the best. <laughs> because the driver is almost always, you know, blasting reggaeton. The windows never work. Um, there are never any shocks in the car or in your seat. So you sit down and you just sink for a while. He's usually, you know, talking on the phone to somebody, and you're just with people who are going different places, right? And you're like smashed up against them. They're sweating on you, and everyone's incredibly courteous. Despite all the chaos, because that's just the kind of place Cuba is. And so these guys have gone on strike because the new regulations have basically made it pretty hard for them to make a profit. Um, and um, because getting replacement parts for their vehicles is really hard. And there are a whole bunch of reasons. But basically, um, transportation in Havana has come to a standstill in the past couple of weeks. And it's a big problem because these guys are private, right? They operate as a private service, but there is not really much of a public service. So they're very 
very few buses. Um, you know, Havana is very underserved as far as public transportation goes. And so you have people who now have 3G, but they can't get a ride home. And so they're posting about it on Facebook. <laughs> it's like, you know, like, I've got the internet now, but I can't get home. And then they say, when is Uber coming to Cuba? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and they're like, I, but Uber would never take payment in pesos cubanos because who on earth would, you know, get into that. So it's it's absolutely bonkers. And apparently, you know, since 3G has come, a lot of the DSL connections that were a new thing of over the past year, if you lo- lived in a certain place, you had the option to buy a DSL connection. Um, those have sort of gone belly up. They're not really working with the advent of 3G. I'm sure they'll probably work through it and get them both to work at the same time. Sure, but um I mean, that's still there. Wow. So is everyone just now learning about all these things online or has has the internet been around but just slower and now it's better? There, I mean, it's it's more accessible. Yeah. It's not that it's better or faster, it's just more accessible. So for the past two to three years, Cuba's been expanding its number of Wi-Fi hotspots. So this wasn't there when when you were there, but basically um, before two weeks ago, the, the one of the main ways you got online was by going to a public park and buying a Nauta card and scratching off an incredibly long ID number, an incredibly long PIN number, logging into the Nauta homepage and punching in all those numbers and hoping you get them right and hoping the server doesn't drop. And that's how you get online. So people are used to getting online line in public, um, you know, public parks, hotel lobbies. There there were something like 300 of these hotspots. I think it's up to over four, maybe almost 500. So people are familiar with the internet and get on. They're just not on it every day, right? Because it's such a, like a pain in the ass to go it is. find a hotspot. If you're spot. traveling there, can you... Like, you like hotels and stuff. Yeah, hotel lobbies. Americans houses. aren't going to come if they can't Instagram about how they're cool enough to go to Cuba. <laughs> yeah, like, they're not going to do it. No, no, you can't. I mean, yeah. it's it's easy enough to get Travelers, on. It's, it's gotten much easier the since I first started getting there. But it's interesting because what you're seeing on Facebook of, you know, people starting to talk about, you know, Uber needs to come to Cuba and all this other wacky stuff is. Uh, oh, I like the Uber so 50s use... car idea. Yeah. Combine the two. Because I'd love to just feel like, like my grandparents used to go to Cuba like pre-revolution days when it was like Vegas, going to Vegas for like. Right, right. Like that's up, that's up north. why. It was like and everybody's and used like, to the concept. Picturing of... those cars and those like that, that whole. And yeah. That, that would be a good market. Let's open it up. And I mean, Cuba probably invented. I'm on it. Cool. Oh, God. <laughs> You're the businessman over here. We had a business idea last time we talked. These <laughs> They're great ideas. Oh, we did. It was related to Uber as well, I believe. Or, no, yeah, it was. Oh my gosh, it was. Oh, yeah, Uber date. We're, yeah, we're really one Didi, Didi date. Didi right? date. Yeah, it was yeah, Didi yeah. date. So yeah. What about? Because I remember when I was there again a long time ago. But the something about like the hotels, the international hotels worked in U.S. dollars, and no one could get U.S. dollars, and so it was almost like this class system of you could only go there if you were a foreigner, sort of, because of the access to U.S. dollars? Um, Am I way yeah, off on that? That could be, but since then they created another currency called the CUC. Um, so it's a convertible currency. So Cuba has a dual currency system, and that's one of the most confusing things about when you first go down there. There's the Cuban peso, and there's the CUC, which is the convertible currency. And um, it's it's so one of those is worth 24 Cuban pesos. Um, and basically all minor things, so like one of these rides in a shared car would be 
five to 10 Cuban pesos. Um, but if you're going to dinner at a nicer restaurant that's not state run, that's going to be in CUC. If you're going to a supermarket, that's going to be in CUC. Even like a local Cuban supermarket, would you'd be paying in CUC. So that makes it all the more confusing. And the exchange rate varies depending on which sector you're in. So for us, it's one to 24. For Cubans, it's one to 24. But for the state, in certain industries, it's one to one, which means the balance sheets of state-owned companies are absolutely whack. Oh my gosh. And it very conveniently hides how unprofitable they are. Um, so that's kind of a very important step in cleaning up the economy and allowing it to sort of stand on its own and no longer live on the charity of other countries. But that transition is going to be a big one because it's going to reveal you know, a lot of inefficient companies, a lot of people are going to have to be laid off um, in the state sector. And the natural place for them to be employed would be the private sector, right? So let these cuenta propistas, these self-employed entrepreneurs, grow their businesses and, you know, take these employees off your hands and employ them and pay you taxes on top of it. This is what you need. Um, but, you know, getting there is is a more circuitous <laughs> uh, process than than it sounds. It's and have, has they, have they seen an um, increase in unemployment since they've started to privatize stuff? Or are they doing it slowly enough to where everyone's still staying employed? No, I mean, I think you would. It's been good for the economy. I mean, the number of people employed in the private sector has grown. It's now almost 600,000 people. Out of how many? Um, out of 11 million. 11 million. Yeah. Okay, so that's... How many percent? No. <laughs> I, can't I can't do math. Later 16. Today. Let's go with 16. It's growing. I mean, this is this has grown, you know, right. this is all since 2010, essentially. So yeah. it's um it's you know, it's a bigger, bigger part of the economy. Wait, and the internet's been there for two weeks? 3G, yeah. Oh, 3G. let's welcome all of our Cuba listeners <laughs> to the Lost in America <laughs> podcast. <laughs> we are the number one podcast in the world. Yes, this is and, it. This uh, is yeah. America. This is it. This Lost. Is, this how is would the, this translate, since we're talking about translations, how do we translate this to Spanish? America is still America, way, I think. Lost in America? Yeah. No, mm. you no, need because, to be sensitive. Yeah, because America we, is North and South America. Right, see, we're, no, we know that. Okay. So when we translate it, Turner came from Asia. He's lost in the entire America. North and South. South America. I'm lost in Canada. I'm lost in Cuba. I'm lost in Nicaragua. He's lost in Argentina. Everywhere. Just so, perdido Guyana. in America. Lost in America. Perdido in America. Perdido in America. Perdido America. You want to say it con un acento cubano? Oh, yeah. Perdido in America. Perdido in America. I don't know if I've done that well. That's hard. <laughs> Shout out to all of, of our words. new listeners. All right. Should we? Oh, wait. And then people can find you on The Economist, right? Yeah. Buy a subscription on newsstands. <laughs> <laughs> subscription, he said. Well done. I've been a subscriber oh, for years. That's great. I had it's really stressful to ago. keep up every week. Oh my gosh! He tell says me about you're it. writing too much content. There's way, way too much content. I need more pictures. <laughs> Less. Text. I'll tell the cartoonists. Yes. Tell more cartoonists. More ads. He wants more ads. You want more comedy? Yeah, some- more comedy. And Kaplan's still waiting on the swimsuit. We, we've got Snapchat. Oh god! Can you imagine what that would look like? <laughs> I mean, maybe if it's in Cuba, but anywhere else, you, Theresa May. I mean, like, I don't know. Uh, Janet Yellen, big fan. <laughs> Angela Merkel. Yeah. All right, we still have news stories to get to. Should we get to the news? We, we, we have a sponsor for the news, so yeah. Play, Woo! Play. Oh, my gosh. Do you the Economist. Stick around? around for the news? Sure. Play the music. <laughs> All right, we're 
back. Kaplan, the news this week is, spot, is brought to you by Ents. Ents is an app, and they're a news app. They're a news That's app That's why I was bringing us the news. Ents is up to five-minute audio recordings. It's also, we're sitting in the Ents World Headquarters right now. They yep. own the studio. Yeah. We are in. It's up to five-minute audio recordings. It's an app. You can get it in the App Store. You can get it wherever you get your apps. E and SE, it's also for Android. It's uh, five-minute recordings, or it's, you can use it as a messenger. You can talk, um, but voice. Yeah. We don't know text the next, Woge, the next If you want to break news, do it through Ents. Do it through Ents. Break the, it'll get out there to the world. You get the story down. Yeah, you so can also interview create, people. Uh, you can interview people on the street. You can do anything. It's like we, your own miniature podcast. Yeah. We might even release an Ents from this newscast. Who knows? We might do it. We keep saying <laughs> we're going to do it every week, and we failed the last two weeks. So <laughs> hopefully it'll happen this week. First. News story of the week comes to us from the Shanghaiist. Roseanne, pick up. You, you can jump in. Pick up your microphone. You can be in the news. Yeah, yeah you're joining in. Oh, I am. I Ready? just was listening. I mean, I haven't yeah. read the story yet, okay. so you don't have to do anything yet. I was just getting you prepared. <laughs> the Shanghaiist, Roseanne. Nicki Minaj cancels Shanghai performance after finding out festival is a giant scam. Did you no. hear about this? No, I haven't. The Jakarta Warehouse Festival. <laughs> First, it was happening. She got booked to do the Jakarta Warehouse Festival in Shanghai. So first tip off is that it's not in Jakarta. Oh, right. Nikki. Chances say, that she Jakarta's knew where Jakarta was. Or yeah. didn't. And that it wasn't in, in China. So anyway, um, a few days before Minaj arrived, she got booked and I think paid partially to do this. Although unclear if she got paid in advance or not. A few days before Minaj arrived in China, the events were... So, so uh, DW... P, I guess, is the name of the, the Jakarta Warehouse Festival. And it's just been this big thing in Jakarta for the last three or four years. It's like a giant festival where they have all these huge acts from around the world come. And this was going to be their opening, their first one doing it in Shanghai. So a few days before uh, Nicki Minaj arrived in China, the event's website put up the following notice. The event rumored to take place in Shanghai on the 17th and 18th of November of 2018 is an unauthorized use of our trademark. Uh, DWP is a brand that has no has no association with this event. The alleged lineup artwork for DWP China, which has been circulating online, is completely unauthorized. So basically, someone just used their brand, started a thing in Shanghai, booked all these acts, and told them they were them. But was there gonna? Were they planning to have a concert? Like, did they have a venue and everything? Yeah. They so they busted? told her it was sold out with uh, eight thousand people in attendance. Uh, but she got there, and she she was going to be paid three million dollars. Then when she got there, there was less than a thousand tickets sold. It was a really small venue, and nobody had anything to do with the actual thing. So yeah, here was the move. You can guess what they wanted her to do. With just knowing China, they were like, play, play "Oh, just go on anyway. Your fans are here. We promised them you would be here, so you need to go on and perform." And she just didn't. She was backstage, or she was somehow in Shanghai. But I think back, it says backstage, and then she just went, "No, I'm going home," and flew home. I mean, so that's a really long flight. So Just make an appearance, Nikki. What about the $3 million? Were they going to give it to her? I mean, I would assume not. If they were to give her $3 million, you go on stage and you do it. It says that fans paid as much as 3,000. How do you pronounce that? Yawn. For, it's $432. I like this precise. For that's their tickets. a lot. And none of them got their <laughs> No one got a refund. No one got a oh, refund. Oh, that's clearly. Yeah. I mean, she oh, should have, if she didn't want to do this concert, she should have told them she was, had done a Tibet show or something. At the, the last minute? Yeah, like, come in like, yeah. oh, sorry. When they're trying to make her go on, be like, oh, yeah, I just played a free Tibet. <laughs> I'm going to tell the government I played a Tibet yeah. freedom card. No, that's your get out of jail free card if you're in. I used to have a, a version of this happen to me relatively often. The first, uh, I worked at, the first year I was in China, I taught English at a school, at like one of those tutoring places, you know? Mm -hmm. And the boss would call 
very often on like six o'clock in the morning on like a Saturday on a Saturday morning. I'd be like, quick, uh, I'm going to breakfast in two hours with these government officials. Show up. I've told them you were coming, so you have to come. <laughs> and I went the first time. And then after that, I just stopped going. And he'd be like, oh, you have to come. I've already told him you'll be there. You'll be very embarrassed if you don't show up. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, I don't care. And I wouldn't go. And then he didn't renew my contract. This just- reminds me of what's going on with OFO, the, the bike sharing thing. Um, there was some news that was broke by uh, What's on Weibo. Shout out to Manya Kuwait, who runs the blog, um, about right. <laughs> uh, OFO going bankrupt and like oh, thousands of people lining up to get refunds and not getting them. But apparently somebody, you're better off reading the story because I may be misquoting here, but yeah, somebody pretended to be a foreigner and got their refund right away. And so lots of Chinese people were really outraged because oh, they've wow. been queuing forever. Cap, so. do you know Ofo? I, we talked about that on a podcast. Ofo's like a bike like sharing. Bike, right? It's like city. It's a bike sharing yeah. um, like app, I guess, company. But you can leave the bike anywhere. Right. right? Yeah, that's Which is they went fantastic. <laughs> no, because Mobike, their competitor, just rocked up in Beijing with like a shiny new fleet of new bikes. So it's and they're doing. I think okay. the bike wars are the are finishing. Are Somebody's won. First the war on Christmas. We got yeah. we got to settle that first, and then the we can go to the war on the bikes. bikes. I'm I'm against bikes, so I'm I'm all for the. Cause I, these bikes are always trying to run me over, you know, on the streets. I'm are like, you in be, the bike lane often? I'm, I'm walking around. <laughs> Kaplan stumbles. I'm, I'm dri- no, I drive. Life. I'm a driver. They're always. I'm almost almost hitting them because bikers don't follow the rules. I don't know what it's like in China. They don't stop at lights. They don't. Oh, do they anything. always follow it's the rules the in China. Nobody. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no one follows the rules. So so I'm pro war on bikes, just like I'm pro war on Christmas. And- I'm we're on Hanukkah. We got to get to. No one talks about that enough. I've had enough of Hanukkah. Next story comes to us from the New York Post. Is gender neutral Santa coming Speaking to town? Of the war oh, on no. Christmas. Come on. Speaking of the war on Christmas, a new va- new survey has sparked a new debate. A, a new survey has sparked a new debate over whether Santa should be a man, a woman, or gender neutral. The results the results show that roughly 19 percent of U.S. Uh, U.S. people. I love the New York Post is the <laughs> shittiest writing. News. U.S. people. U.S. people. <laughs> this is this is straight from them. Yeah. You really don't ever go to work for the New York I Post. I promise you, I won't. The results show that roughly ninety percent of U.S. people believe Santa should be identified as neither male nor female. More than ten percent say uh, Santa should identify as a woman, which means nearly seven percent still believe uh, Santa, Father Christmas should be a man. This is. <laughs> what, about, what would he be if he wasn't? I mean, the whole Santa thing is the the look. Yes. So, but I mean, so, first of all, who cares? Is anyone ever just? Um, are we ever going to see Santa banging someone? Like, does it matter? Well, what? Does, he has a wife, no. Ms. Yeah, Ms. I know, Ms. but Claus. have you? I, we're not watching it. I don't. Right. See, well, first of all, kids just want the gifts. They don't even really, right? I mean, you just want the gifts. They don't care if it's a man or woman giving it to them. I really they're don't very, think people Kids don't care. discriminate. I mean, I feel like as long as they're male and female elves making toys, gender-neutral toys, it's fine. Yeah. And I can still be a man. Is that the, uh, the elves? Are the elves are all gender-neutral? Oh, like, <laughs> yeah, what are the elves? I think they've been gender-neutral the whole time. I have, they don't procreate, I don't think. so. I, I think we're just officially out of problems oh. if this is what people are actually worried about. But did you about. see this other part? We've about other? Far. They've asked them about other things about Santa. Yeah, that's true. I mean, these people also might be high because the rest of the survey says 20% of people responded think that Santa should have tattoos and 18% said his iconic red and white suit should be replaced with skinny jeans. I mean, let's go with the time, Santa. Well, okay. New York, well, well, 22% said his sleigh needs to be exchanged for a flying car. I'm in favor of that. A hoverboard? Yeah, yeah a hoverboard. 21% responded said he needs to go on a diet. That is, they're fat shaming Santa. 
these people. Oh That's not nice. I think what we've learned from this is the New York Post is trash. <laughs> and if, if it, this is not this, real. You know what I learned from this is the closing sentence that Santa Claus is based on. I didn't know it was who he was based on. Who's that? Well, a, a uh, Christian Saint Bishop. Nicholas. Yeah. Right? yeah. In a land that is part of Turkey. So, I mean, I didn't know that. I'm not this. Well, you didn't know he was based on St. Nicholas or you didn't know he was from Turkey? I didn't know he was, yeah, Turkish. Look at I that. didn't know that. You Turkish know that. Santa. Yeah, Turkish Santa. That will. If they did that, they would say, like, Jesus was an Arab, like the look. Yeah. They should say Santa was Turkish. Santa was that Turkish. That would change people's so don't views. Don't leave him cookies, leave him hummus. <laughs> Next, last story of the week comes to us. You're allowed to laugh out loud. I'm killing it over here. Roseanne's a silent laugher. <laughs> that's all. We're going out on that. <laughs> that's a great. That is, that, that's, I don't know. That is the podcast. Roseanne Lake, thank you for doing it. Thank you for having me. Cap, what should we do? I think on that note, let's get lost. Let's definitely get lost. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.